Sophia Ritchie is the internet's latest it girl, why quiet luxury is being so damn loud, and should we ever comment on celebrities' weight? We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our fortnightly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of the land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are all continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I was on Instagram the other day and I saw a culture club post on Instagram stories and I was like, oh, what's this? Is someone, are you reposting <laughs> someone? And then I just saw a random caption from Emma Watson no context, no commentary. You've just screenshot the caption, put on our stories. Um, why did this catch your attention so much? And why did you find it funny? Oh my God, I simply died. I saw a tweet referencing like Emma Watson's latest Instagram post and they posted like a screenshot of it. And I was like, oh, ha ha ha, this is fake. How funny. I go over on Instagram, I look up her profile and I see it's real. She's posted it like on her own accord. And I was literally so gobsmacked. Okay. So we're going to have a condensed snippet that we will read out, but it just really it just really shocked me, okay? And I think we, we need to read it out before we get into it. But essentially on April 16, she shared like a lengthy Instagram post to her page um, celebrating her 33rd birthday. To be honest, it's a millennial fever dream. It's quite Britney Spears on Instagram-like as well. Um, and there's so many emojis. Like I think we literally need to read out the emojis. <laughs> okay, are you ready to read some of the highlights, Jazz? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay. Before 29, I hadn't even heard of a Saturn return as a concept. Let's just say that now I am well acquainted. Tombstone emoji, coffin emoji, zombie emoji, Saturn, bomb emoji, volcano. I stepped away from my life. I learned to surf badly. Surf emoji. I rode some horses, horse emoji that went better. I did a lot of therapy. Yes. Muscle, heart eye emoji emoji therapy I played pickleball with at Sugar Ray Leonard and I even played golf and then tried to make all of my girlfriends learn too I burned some things down fire uh fire extinguisher emoji I eat green things now leaf emoji I got obsessed with making Squarespace websites Today I feel butterfly, 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 butterfly emojis. Thank you to the witches in my coven who are so pivotal in helping me arrive at where and who I am now. Red love heart emoji, witch emoji, sunflower emoji, mermaid emoji, ninja emoji, deer emoji, eye emoji, flower emoji, owl emoji. Oh God, this should be a game. We can like quickly say uh-huh. it. Like Mars emoji, honestly, and like a karate emoji and rose emoji. You are my Avengers and you inspire me and kick ass. <laughs> okay, I might be showing my millennial side here, but I didn't see a problem with this at all. Mm. Like I didn't know why you posted it on our story <sighs> and I didn't know why, like, I think it's cute. Yeah. And, like, I want to know, like, why as a Gen Z you're so, like, oh, my God, like, this is so <laughs> funny. Because, like, I see it, like, yeah, it's, like, a bit cringy, but I think it's sweet. 
Okay. Yes. Because my, my takeaway at the end of the day is like, I love this story because like, there's no, there's nothing problematic is going on, right? Like this is nothing wrong with it. She's just sharing this, but like for me, I was like, oh my God, like Emma Watson is so chuggy. Like, like, <laughs> like, like what the, what is she saying? Like, I, I just realized, so this is more an indictment on myself, I guess. And other people I've talked to have shared this, but it's like, oh my God, we get parasocial relationships so wrong. Like I so just misjudged who she is. Like I, cause you know, she's pretty quiet on social. She doesn't post much. She does a lot of activism work, which she also talks about in the caption, to be honest. And obviously people are multifaceted. I understand, but like, she's like, she posts on Instagram very sparingly. It's usually about her work, like directing work or her work with Prada and stuff. And just to have this, like this, I don't know this diary entry apparently um I just felt like it was quite whack especially come on I got obsessed with making Squarespace websites and then you are my Avengers yeah. <laughs> I don't know I mean like it's 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 light fun but obviously like you're right like she's it's a nice celebration of like where she is in life and stuff but I just like she was like the chicest of chic in my head you know <laughs> she's right. just like us <laughs> She's just like us. I just think it's funny how like social media captions go through trends as well. And like I remember like four or five years ago, I was writing full like diary entry essay things on Instagram captions, like exactly how I was feeling and like, Mm. you know, sharing so much more. Now I just write like three or four words maybe on a caption. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Watch out because in five to ten years, people will be roasting you for, like, the way that you interact with social media now. So, like, it just, yeah, it's funny how also, like, people stay quite usually, unless you're quite chronically online like us, you usually stay, like, Mm. in the social media trends that were kind of like fashion, like what was trending when you – when social media was, like, your thing and now it's, like, a younger – it's always a younger games person – a younger person's game, sorry. So, yeah, interesting mm. that you like this kind of stood out to you because for me I was like, oh, that's cute and then just like moved on and I didn't think much of it. But Yeah, fine. I mean, well, you know what? I was surprised that I only literally found like one article that was like had thoughts around it. Like there were a couple of other articles that were like, oh, like Emma Watson opens up um, in a beautiful hut like heartfelt caption there was like a few articles like this there was one article that was called Emma Watson's woo-woo millennial jargon taps into an unhelpful ideology and that was for iNews by Emily Boodle Um, we'll link it in the show notes anyway so you can take a read if you like and we were lucky enough to have Emily actually read out a snippet of the article so here she is in her own words though at a glance Watson's caption may seem rambling and erratic it's essentially standard fare for millennials Between the emojis and new hobbies, there emanates a sense of utmost importance surrounding being yourself, living your truth, making mistakes, and your one wild and precious life. Astrology, a flirtation with the occult, finding meaning in mundane mishap, and the invocation of generic therapy, all fit into the New Age Spiritual Community Meets Corporate Positivity Workshop Starter Pack, a vibe now so common that it usually goes unnoticed. It channels the message from which many young people find it borderline sacrilegious to stray. Nothing is more important, no really nothing, than your own individual happiness, and all activities are morally worthwhile as long as they contribute to it. But the problem with this thinking is that it is itself an ideology. 
It says, don't do it that way, do it this way. Don't conform to those expectations. Conform to the expectations, not to conform to expectations. Find out when your Saturn return is so you can make sure your experience aligns with it. Take up a hobby and make sure you're bad at it. Have radical transformations, even if you're broadly all right where you are. Don't strive too hard for success. Be happy that you failed, even if success is what you want. If you're not happy, in fact, or if you're not on a conscious path to achieve happiness, you're doing it all wrong. These adages are all well and good if taken at face value, but we should be wary. They do not in themselves constitute liberation. In fact, when we are exposed to them constantly, they can sound very similar to the same messages they purport to undermine. Be better, be more, and ordinary life is not enough. Speaking of Emma, we have the Gen Z it girl, Emma Chamberlain, to discuss because this week she has faced backlash on TikTok after releasing her Chamberlain Coffee um, ready to drink can collection. Sadly, Chamberlain Coffee isn't available in Australia. Why? But anyway, uh, last week the Internet Star launched new premixed cans exclusively to Walmart. They included four plant based canned coffees in the flavors Cinnamon Bun Latte, which sounds so good, Cold Brew Latte, Vanilla, and Mocha Lattes. You know what? Like a few years ago for my birthday, my friends all got their money together and got me a big order from Chamberlain Coffee from the US. And like, yes, the shipping was like as much as all the product. Um, But I am her Australian correspondent on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) This is early days. I don't know. Sorry. Let's go back into Emma Chamberlain Law. But like she used to do coffee tea bags. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. that's like what I've Were they good? They were fine because they're like a form of instant coffee. And I like Mm -hmm. back then I wasn't drinking that much coffee. I enjoyed them. I can't Mm -hmm. say if it was like a great cup of joe. (laughs) So, yeah, now she's expanded into like cold brew cans. Um, And I saw one TikTok came up on my feed by user at Kinley.Thomas who taste tests the vanilla latte flavor. The video just shows Kinley sitting in her car opening and trying the can. And the text on screen reads, this is the worst thing I've ever tasted. Never get this literal farts in a can. It at the time of recording has 4.5 million views. And a comment underneath the video has 30.8K likes just for a comment that says, I have not seen one positive review about this. And another reads, come on now, y'all know Emma likes her fart coffee. Stop. (laughs) Like you sent this to me yesterday before and I was like, because you're like, yeah, let's talk about this. I'm like, oh, my God. We, we did say that we think Emma Chamberlain will have some fair share of controversy mm. this year and we've kind of seen a few things throughout this year that kind of build up to that. But I'm like, seriously? Like, seriously? Like, do we, like there were articles written about this and basing off the reviews of a few TikTokers. Am I being yeah. um, too parasocially here, Jazz? Well, I thought the same. I do like Emma Chamberlain as well, so may- maybe I'm biased. But I think it's quite an unfair review. Because also on the bottle, like on the can, it says you have to shake it well. And maybe she did shake it. I don't know. But you don't see that in the video. And also I think canned coffee is so tricky and then plant-based as well. Obviously, it can separate in the thing in the can and you should probably drink it like over ice. Um, So maybe it's not made. But then again, if you're making a canned coffee, it should be made to be drunk out of a can, like ready to go whenever you are. So I don't know. 
I'm out. Uh, just get some coffee and we'll taste test. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, but no, no, my main thing is like, okay, like, come on. Are we really doing controversy because like a product of hers like doesn't taste that great? Because it's not like she's, I mean, there probably are like ethics issues, but this isn't like a warranted reason, I don't think, because you personally don't like the taste of something to like slam her. And that doesn't mean like I think, I mean, oh my God, how do I say this? I think the TikToker in question was so in their right to like make a review video because we yeah. all do but it's just like the way that everyone's been like okay this is gospel like she's cancelled in a way I was like, but are oh they God. saying that have you seen anything that says she's cancelled not cancelled but like they're like oh like as a sweeping umbrella statement this is a terrible product right is what i've seen but i mean maybe i'm just being defensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we'll never know unless we try for ourselves so Anyway, interesting to see, like, if the kind of bad reviews keep coming and if they change the recipe or what happens next. I'm a musical girl. I love my musicals. Are you? Are you? I'm kind of. I wouldn't say I'm, like, a musical theatre, like, mega fan or anything but I appreciate <laughs> musicals I did just yeah. watch um well I started watching uh the new Grease prequel on Paramount Plus with my family last week because I was doing some work on it at work mm. um like writing about it and I'm going on a bit of a tangent but we thought that the show itself was good the tv show but then like it would just break into musicals and all of us would like groan like oh yeah. my god not <laughs> again like sometimes I think when musicals are done well they're really good um, but yeah, my yes. boyfriend doesn't like musicals. Lol. He actively avoids them. So does my dad. So I don't know. Yeah, God, I love. What's a your fave? Tom and I love a musical. Good question about faves. Recently, I saw Anne Julia in Melbourne, which I absolutely loved. But that's not like fave, fave. But mm. I don't know. Anyway, the reason why we're actually bringing this up is because Wicked, there's going to be a live adaption of Wicked coming our way in, I mean, very long time. Like the first part is going to be in two, like two movies. November 2024 is the first one. The second one's dropping 2025 Christmas. Crazy. <laughs> it's like out of our scope of like frame of mind but that's pretty exciting that's one musical I haven't watched but it's like probably the highest on my list same I has it even come to Australia recently yeah well no like about 10 years ago Uh, okay yeah because I saw the Ariana Grande like I was I'm kind of like manifestations woo woo TikTok I guess and it was talking about it had all these clips of Ariana like over the years saying how she had kind of manifested it and like spoken it and said like that's what she wants she wants to play glinda even in interviews she talks about it um she sang like the wicked songs when she was little um so that's really sweet and that's when i was like i don't even know what the story of wicked is about but it's like kind of a prequel ish to the wizard of oz right like it's about the two witches and their friendship yeah yeah it is actually been so nice because i've also like found out about this movie slash have been keeping up with it through Ariana's social media presences and last night I was looking at her Instagram and she had so lol not me ragging on Emma Watson for her heartfelt Instagram caption but like (laughs) and then praising Ariana for it but like you could tell or at least we are led to believe through marketing but I, (laughs) I do believe it after what you just said that Ariana 
like this has been such a massive and special thing in her life. Like she felt so like grateful for yeah. the opportunity and for the experience. And that was like really lovely to read. Yes, 100%. And that makes me more excited for it and for her. And people are complaining like, Irina hasn't had any new music lately. And it's like, because she's focusing all of her energy onto this wicked movie adaption. So she's playing Glinda the Good Witch. Um, some pictures from the set got leaked last week and she looks gorgeous. But because it's been a while since she's been in the public eye, she kind of got married and then has been living a pretty low, more low-key life. She took artist, musician out of her Instagram bio, has been focusing on her makeup and beauty line. Um, but in the pictures where she has been seen, there have been a lot of comments around her appearance and then particularly her weight. Yeah, so much so that Ariana felt the need to actually go on TikTok and post a video addressing this. Now, this video has been viewed 71.3 million times. <laughs> Yeah. That's like three times the population of Australia. More than, more <laughs> yeah. than. Yeah, God. Wow. We're all just sitting in our rooms watching it three times. It's like a three-minute video. <laughs> but um, it was a really interesting watch because she flat out kind of addressed the situation and essentially um, asked people to stop commenting on her appearance. We will play some of the video now. I think we could be... I think we should be gentler and less comfortable commenting on people's bodies, no matter what. If you think you're saying something good or well-intentioned, whatever it is, healthy, unhealthy, big, small, this, that, sexy, not sexy, I, I don't, we just shouldn't, we should really work towards not doing that as much. I will admit when I first saw pictures of her, I did think, oh my gosh, she's so skinny and like small. And I did have that initial thing of like, oh, God, I hope she's okay. But then immediately that thought went away because I was like, I don't know Ariana personally. She's not my friend. She's not my family member. It's her body. Who cares? It's up to her and her doctor and her health. Um, and I didn't then put that thought of like, oh, I hope she's okay on the internet like so yeah. many others have been doing and I think that's the issue right like everyone has those thoughts everyone th may think like well not everyone but some people you know may think oh they look bigger than normal they look smaller than usual um but it's not up to the person like you shouldn't then verbalize it you know what I mean completely I know I completely agree with what you're saying because uh, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, is there a reality where fans can comment out of on like on bodies out of concern? And I'm like, mm, not one that I can think of where it's really warranted. Because like you said, we don't know these people, we don't know what's happening in their life. A lot of the time, it like leans into weird like finger pointing. I would say mm. so. It's like, oh, like they're like I don't know, making assumptions just because of somebody's body. We know that's not right, mm. but um, I have to agree. I was like, um, I was taken aback. I think when I saw some recent videos of Ariana, just because I mean, she has looked so different over, <laughs> over the course of the last decade or two, right? Like, of course, we've talked about it in the past. She's gone through a lot of controversies around black fishing and Asian fishing, and I and there was a weird part in the apology where she like 
defended her as, herself against like why she looks Asian because she's like yeah because like and even if I want to do different makeup styles now and like I'm like um. yeah but I don't know it, there's something that still feels icky um to me about that but it's not something that should be conflated with weight yeah I think they're two different conversations and we have spoken about those in the past but it has since kind of her comments on the way those black fishing videos have resurfaced particularly the black fishing ones because on tiktok it's also been about like how she used to use a black scent mm. and comparing mm. her videos like now and how the way she speaks now to the way she was speaking like five to seven years ago when she was in her tanning era um yeah uh, she has changed a lot over the years but I think the video was good and I think it was a good reminder for audiences to remember that we don't know these people as much as like their job is to connect with us. I also do you also think there's a difference between commenting publicly on a celebrity's weight like maybe if I posted an Instagram story of Ariana I was like oh my gosh she looks so skinny I hope she's okay versus if like a close friend or a family member puts on or loses like a drastically a lot of weight that you're then concerned for the health. Do you think there's a difference then because you're like friends and family with them and doing it in a kind of a nice or not, is there a nice way to do that? But like in a caring way. Yeah. That's a really interesting question because I'm not fully sure of my answer, but what I'm leading towards is honestly like, I don't know if that does any good because they Mm. themselves are going to be aware of the change in their bodies. And I think what, where us as friends would be better of service to is like focusing on what's going on in their life, which is Mm -hmm. impacting them. And I think drawing attention away from the body part of that is probably, even if that's how you've come across the situation, like, Oh, I've noticed that maybe keep that thought to yourself. I don't know. Is that, I just, I, I just so want to refrain from like weight in terms of health and things like that because like yeah, yeah like even Ariana was like, oh, um people think that when she was um when she had a bit of more weight on her that she looked healthy, but she she herself has said that that wasn't the case. She was on antidepressants, she was struggling with a lot of things. So it's like it's really hard to make that connection. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, I think. I don't know if I've ever done in the past but I have like clocked friends or family who've maybe lost weight dressed in like a short period of time and I've clocked and be like hmm interesting are they just going going to the gym more or like is something wrong I'll keep an eye kind of vibe yeah not like I'm gonna monitor your body but (laughs) I'll keep an eye on their mental health and how they're like acting towards me and our friendship and their life and their jobs and stuff yeah and yeah like out of care but I understand like why commenting on it can be like problematic roll up roll up there's officially a new it girl in town Sophia Ritchie, daughter of musician Lionel Ritchie and younger sister of millennial queen Nicole got married last weekend in the south of France She married Elliot Grange, who, according to Wikipedia, is a British record executive. He's the founder and CEO of 10K Projects, which is an independent record label, and his label represents hip-hop and rap artists. He's also a Nepo baby, just like (laughs) Sophia, because he's the son of Universal Music Group executive Sir, I found out he's a Sir, Lucian Grange. 
So today, Jazz, your job is to convince me why I should care about this woman because I am on one. When I was doing my notes last night, Jazz, I was angry. I angry tweeted. I angry tweeted out because I do not get it. So Sophia Ritchie has also taken over my social media in the last week or two. Goddamn everybody is talking about this woman and her wedding and her wedding looks so boring to me. And why are we... (laughs) And why are we putting up these rich, rich, rich people on this pedestal when we're when we're in a financial crisis? And I just don't understand. Okay. Okay. So I, I don't feelings. Yeah, I don't know if I have if I'm like, oh my god, I'm obsessed with Sophia. You know what I mean? I think I just find it all so interesting the way people can kind of pop up and become like a new it girl like so quickly just from a few factors. So I just want to speak more about who they are yes, because you don't know. So Vogue America also cites that the Ritchie and the Grange families have been friends for more than 20 years, which is sweet, and Lionel frequently collaborates with Elliot's father. The couple were introduced through mutual friends. Um, some people have already dubbed this the Royal Wedding of the Year, which is quite big and like the, cele- the best celebrity wedding in years. Um, Sophia worked with Chanel to design three dresses and she said that was always her dream. A few snippets from that fitting have gone viral where she's saying that Elliot is like the man of her dreams. Also, what's interesting to me is that the 24-year-old, yes, she was born in 1998, uh-huh. whew, also began posting on TikTok for the first time on the weekend. So on her bridal weekend, she posted like a get ready with me. It's the morning of like the first day of my bridal weekend. Um, Every video since then, there's been about eight videos, have racked up millions and millions of views. Minimum two million. The highest one is eight million. And she posts like, you know, doing makeup and skincare. There has been some commentary and discourse around like, her dabbing on like the tiniest little bit of blush (laughs) and like the tiniest bit of mascara which we see a lot with Vogue beauty secret celebrities um because they're so naturally beautiful and like they set the stand the beauty standard so why would they need to like add on so much makeup and they've got the money to do all the facials and the nice niceties and they don't have to you know blah 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 blah. yes and you know the song Until I Found You by Stephen yeah. Santos? <laughs> the TikTok I, song. The TikTok song, yes. Um, I There's like been a video of her doing like a dress rehearsal and her it was like playing from a speaker and she was like skipping down the aisle. Mm. Um, but in the actual wedding, I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Like the song is playing. And Stephen, the Stephen Santos <laughs> is at the aisle, like singing her down the aisle, singing his song. Um, of course, if you had all the money in the world, why wouldn't you just get the artist to sing instead of playing it from an iPhone? Yeah. Um, so Sophia, a lot of people have also been kind of saying that she's a new it girl because she is compared a lot to the Card Jenners. And people have been saying that Sophia is what the Kardashian Jenners wish they were because Sophia used to be kind of in with their card Jenners as she previously dated Scott Disick, Courtney Kardashian's ex-partner for three years. I didn't realize it was three years until I was doing this research. She was only 19 when she began dating the then 36-year-old. That is bomb. 
Bomb, yes. The duo lived together and attended family holidays with the Cardenas, which is wild. This was like her brand. You know, she was Nicole Richie's younger sister. She did like some kind of fast fashion-y, like she had like a, a roller jeans. She was like the face of roller jeans. Um, she was dating Scott Disick. So she's kind of gone from this like Cali teenager Nepo baby to this elevated, luxe, elegant young woman. I read a piece for InStyle Australia by Courtney Thompson titled Inside the Fascinating Rebrand, in quotation marks, of Sophia Ritchie, which kind of speaks to your point earlier and your feelings earlier. Courtney says, okay, let's be honest. Is it a rebrand or is she just working with a different stylist, Liat Baruch, to be specific? Wearing haute couture and having a wedding at one of the most glamorous places on earth. It would be incredibly hard for anyone to look bad in Chanel Couture or have an event at Eden Rock and make it look ugly. But there is something to be said for the fact that while Sophia is just like any other uber beautiful young celebrity who does a beauty tutorial that amounts to two tiny dabs of bronzer, eyebrow gel and mascara, she's very likable. Why that is could boil down to marketing genius as some people are attributing it to or, more realistically, luck, where the notoriously fickle internet has decided to like this Nepo baby over others for reasons that are and will remain unclear. What some people are calling a rebrand could also just be someone, well, growing up. She's still only 24, so there's still sure to be more of that to come. But when you think about the evolution of her sister, a lot of it was down to Nicole maturing. Yeah. I mean, so I have only watched snippets from like her Vogue wedding video and I've seen photos and things. And like what made me kind of feel so, I guess, cynical about it as well is like one of the first things I've heard come out of her mouth was like, yeah, like when I was younger, I always wanted this like princess gown. But like as I've gotten older, I like haven't like I want something similar and I'm like you are 24 <laughs> I'm like you're 24 years old I don't know it just makes me feel weird I it makes me feel still so weird but I agree with this article about like it's it's just like the internet being a bit specific and mm. being like yes we're gonna love you for this time I don't know it kind of reminds me of people like fawning over Alex L a few months ago and it's like that was like a two-week stint where she was like the it girl of the moment and then like honestly I haven't heard anything from her camp since she just did an interview this week with interview magazine and she was like oh, on God. the cover so I think Alex Earl starts rising but I think she is very American like she's American college inspo that's an interesting one side note Alex I've seen some also people on TikTok saying like she just looks like any American like beautiful woman but like what is so special about her but then people say that about Emma Chamberlain too so mm. it's all just it's all just being chronically online <laughs> but yeah I agree with you when you say like Sophia's who we're like loving at the moment like everyone wants to be her and you know, will we then kick her off a pedestal as soon as she steps a foot wrong or after her wedding's over or, you know. So, but do you also think that, like, I think it is marketing because why else would she start her TikTok on the weekend of her wedding? Like, for me, on my wedding, I'd want to be present. I wouldn't want to be, like, making get ready with me videos. But she's giving the the people, the paupers, an inside look into her <laughs> Chanel South of France wedding. So I think it's on purpose. Yeah, I don't know how planned it was, but you're right. I mean, like, there's a lot of content going up around this time. Um, it's just, 
I don't know. I just feel like, and I get it. Like she's a Nepo baby. I get why people are enamored by her life, but it's like people work so hard to become recognized in their field. Let's say if it's, if we're talking social media and it's just like, oh, bam, like over one weekend, Mm. you're, you're it. Like, I don't know. And there's just a lot of obviously privilege associated with that. And it's just like, we're just watching millions and millions and millions of dollars, like go into this wedding. And it just, there's an ickiness still for me. Even though yeah. I love when I love I love looking I love looking at things. I love like the voyeurist like element of it, but not for this one. I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. It is because like people are saying this is the royal wedding, but at least with this wedding, it's all their own money. It's not like taxpayers' money. Um, it's all Nicole well, not Nicole. <laughs> it's all the Richie and Grange family's money. Um no, but like, So for me, I'm like this no. is voyeuristic almost. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like huge fan or I'm like oh I want to look like I want to style myself like Sophia but um it is like a little almost escape like wow imagine getting married in the south of France and getting custom Chanel dresses like I don't know it's voyeuristic for me escapism yeah but it is interesting that Sophia's star is rising this week when there's a new fashion trend that's making the rounds called quiet luxury I would say that Sophia's is quite loud luxury. She's everywhere, but quiet luxury is trending. So shall we get into that? Let's do it. So yes, thank you for that sizzle jazz. But quiet luxury has been floating around the beauty lifestyle. And I've even seen the goddamn beauty space in the past few weeks slash few months thanks to succession coming back around and thank you to Gwyneth Paltrow's iconic ski court looks there has been a rise in something called quiet luxury essentially it's a fancy way of saying elevated basics easy elegance and minimalism so it's the opposite of logomania which we saw like you know half a decade a decade ago um you might have also heard the term stealth wealth and old money aesthetic floating around too i would just say like they're essentially one in the same it's about looking rich essentially yes as vogue says thanks to the paired back stylings of brands such as the row bottega veneta and kate we have seen a return to a more low-key approach to luxury it's less austere than minimalism but more polished than normcore it's Sienna Miller in Anatomy of a Scandal meets off-duty Olsen twins. It's a battered Hermes Kelly bag or a Max Mara investment coat thrown over an ancient pair of vintage jeans. I've also seen this a lot even in the Melbourne, like, social scene. Like, kind of women, like, maybe 25 and above. Like, but maybe it's just people I follow. But, like, they're really kind of posting links to, like, three, four, five hundred dollar coats, which compared to, like, the thousands that – Actual rich people are wearing, it's not much, but it's kind of, yeah, the, the elevated basic and like tailored pants and like a black belt with a little gold buckle. That's not the Gucci belt because that would be Logomania. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of Melbourne's south side as well as like Sydney's eastern suburbs. So still that like the rich, the richer parts or like the, the places where you want to, again, put on that facade mm-hmm. of richness um yeah how did how did this make you feel when once you saw this trend rolling around well to be honest I think that my style has grown up in the last like year or two Mm. so I feel like I have been aspiring to wear these more elevated basics and 
dress a bit more grown up, which I think this is. Um, I also like the way it makes me feel when I wear this kind of like, you know, a trench coat or like a nice handbag. Like I bought my first designer handbag last year, which for like my birthday. Um, and I do feel like it does give you this kind of shield or like it makes me feel good about myself. And therefore I think that's like attracting more. It's I feel like it's attracting more abundance into my life. Mm. Like this is so extra, but yesterday I'm doing like a photo shoot today and yesterday I got a blow dry, which is yeah. definitely not in my normal budget, but I felt so good after it. I was like, oh my God, I just want to be able to afford this like whenever I want. Um, so I kind of see why people are aspiring to it, especially as we're in an economic downturn. I know it's mm-hmm. very, very privileged to even be able to attempt this look and aspire to these things when like so many people can barely afford food. But I think it is in response to a recession because it's like, oh, shit, we can't, like, do we want to look like we don't, like we're struggling? Do we want to separate mm-hmm. ourselves? So I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I remember, like, the the red lipstick, the lipstick theory. So mm. when we're in, a, like, an economic downturn, more people spend money on lipsticks and, like, red lipsticks particularly. And I do think it's, like, that emulating yeah. of, like, you're, you're all good. Like, we're all yeah. good. We're all good because we can, like – portray that image and I agree like in terms of my style as well like I definitely see my bits of my style leaning into it I I, I don't like the term quite luxury like I just want to say like timeless classic silhouettes or something like that right yeah. because I'm not necessarily maybe I am subconsciously but I didn't think I was trying to emulate like the uber rich or anything um but there is just something so nice about having really or you'd hope high quality basics that can last a lifetime. Um, there was a really good article. I loved reading about this whole shtick um, as opposed to bloody every single publication just shoving quite luxury into the headlines to get clicks. Do you know mm-hmm. what I saw <laughs> that made me laugh last night when I was researching, right? It was just like the 10 quiet luxury beauty products you need. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like, no, like you don't need to say that. Anyway, but the article I'm in, I'm referring to that I loved is called Why Are People Obsessed With Looking Rich And Boring? Um, that's by Jake Silbert and that was in Highest Nobiety. In it, he kind of looks at like the tech thought leaders of the past decade and past, so people like Elon Musk um, and Mark Zuckerberg and their sense of fashion. Um, but, yeah, let's read out a bit of the piece now. It reads... The fairly boring clothes these oligarchs wear have become a new kind of status symbol for people desperate to appear well off. I'm sorry, I'm speaking like that because I'm like, oh my God, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a mentality that ignores a simple fact. Most of these uber-rich types have pretty awful style. This is how the 1% operates. These people are too wealthy to wear anything cheaper than designer goods and too boring to care about wearing anything interesting. It's not an intentional flex. It's just a different form of conspicuous consumption. It's a dangerous game to conflate wealth with taste because it positions an unattainable lifestyle as aspirational. And worst of all, whether you call it quiet luxury or stealth wealth or coded luxury, it's so boring. Like, I love that thing of like, okay, hang on. Like, yes, it makes sense that we have historically like lauded over like the wealthy and like, this is like literally a whole episode, right? We're like looking at celebrities and, um, and like how we can relate to them and stuff. But it's like, 
should we? I like how this piece, especially at like what you read near the end, it like questions that. It's like, well, actually, should we be looking at these people as aspirational? As like, and do we have to put them on that pedestal? That's what I kind of took away from that. The other thing I was thinking was I saw in your story the other day you posted a tweet. I think it was, and it was talking about like that annoying thing where rich people pretend to be poor, like that poor cosplay. Like, so how do we feel about that? Is that any better? Yeah. So it was a real, originally a TikTok, then made into a reel by Tori West, who's the editor of Brick Magazine, who is a working class editor from Wales who speaks out a lot about like class inequalities in fashion and the text read like um when you bring up class consciousness in a room full of fashion people who are probably cosplaying as low income anyway and to me I think quite luxury and like dressing more rich than you are or aspiring to be I personally think that is better than dressing and cosplaying as poor and low income because I I think I know we have like acquaintances and people who do that like they're trust fund babies and they live in this house that their parents have bought them but they are pretending they're poor students like in Brunswick you know what I mean and that just annoys me even more because it's like that's not acknowledging a privilege in a way Mm. don't you think yeah 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 yeah. I understand what you're saying I feel like one of them so like quiet luxury is trying to like elevate you into like into that world where you can maybe like receive byproducts of that privilege of being accepted into these mm. spaces. Rich passing. Do you remember that like tweet from a little while ago? It's quite funny. But in the, on the flip side, it's like, yeah, like you just said, like not acknowledging the privilege that you might already have. There's also another element of this, which I saw um, floating around about like, racism essentially just like simply actually I know this sounds it might sound a bit of a stretch but how race intersects with things like quiet privilege as well as um things like minimalist capsule wardrobes right so things in that realm of like having high quality staples there was an article on fashion journal uh, called colorless elitist and unrealistic the problem with minimalist capsule wardrobes and that was by Caroline Zelinsky and in it they talk about the colonialist history of color which was so interesting that wasn't something I'd come across before Um, they reference a piece that explores like particularly the exoticism of South Asian colors and celebrations right and another thing like let's a little history lesson um, I'll read out a bit from the piece Uh, German poet and literary figure Goethe wrote nearly 200 years ago that, quote, savage nations, uneducated people and children have a great predilection for vivid colours. People of refinement avoid vivid colours in their dress. While in 1848, Charles Blanc, the then French Minister of Culture, stated that, quote, colour is a particular characteristic of the lower forms of nature. And I think this all just goes to show, like, historically and nowadays like this whiteness and this beigeness does relate Mm -hmm. to purity purity and cleanliness in my head um so there's like another added layer here I think yeah it's so true right like even if you think of old film footage from like the late 1800s 1900s um obviously a lot of it was in black and white but you can see you know if there's a street in London or whatever it's all just like men in suits and women in like you know petticoat dresses and stuff but then if you look at 
the South, the global South, it's just so colourful yeah. and beautiful and vivid. And, yeah, I, I had never thought about that before and never conflated, the, like, put the two in perspective like that. So it's super interesting to relate it like that. Um, I also read a piece by Tiana Randall called Quiet Luxury is Actually Very Loud for the Cut. And it also speaks about Gen Z's like eat the rich mentality that we seem to have, but then we're also obsessed with this unattainable luxury and wealth, old money aesthetics, which old money on TikTok isn't old money. Sorry, it's still new luxury. You just don't have logos on it. Um, So that's a really good piece. We'll link it in the show notes as well. Yeah, fascinating topic. And I love when fashion like intersects with culture in this way. And like, yeah, it feels like a a cultural vibe. Time for recommendations. Jazz, what have you watched, listened to, or read this week that you've loved? So you and I, we had a date yeah. on Saturday because I was like, you know what? I don't think I've seen you outside <laughs> of work, a PR event where we're kind of at work or culture club for like months. So, oh, any birthday. Um, so we went to Cinema Nova in Melbourne and we saw After Sun. We're very late to the party. This movie was released in February in Australia. It came out last year in the US and UK. Um, but basically the synopsis, if you haven't heard of it, 20 years after their last holiday at a fading vacation resort, Sophie, who's 11 years old, reflects on the rare time spent with her loving and idealistic father, Callum, who is played by Paul Mescal. So Sophie is kind of coming into adolescence and learning more about adulthood and Callum is struggling under the weight of life outside of fatherhood. Her memory, the movie kind of follows her memories and it's kind of got that like faded, um, faded memory aesthetic to it. It's very beautiful. It's created by Charlotte Wells and this was her feature film debut, which is crazy to think because it's stunning. Um, And I sobbed for like half the movie. Yeah, (laughs) I can... I love check that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's very slow. It's definitely one of those vibe movies. Like you're just vibing with the characters. It's not very, not a lot happens, but it's beautiful to look at. It reminded me a lot of Coin by Your Name, that kind of summer vacation but pivotal um, coming of age story. So I love that. I think I'm very late to the party, so everyone's probably seen it. But anyway, loved it. What about you? What do you recommend this week? I mean, in such a reading era, like you you would not believe it. I should get a gold star. Uh, but a book I absolutely devoured in three days was Between You and Me by Joanna Horton. Uh, this is a debut novel, fiction novel by a Brisbane writer um, set in Brisbane as well. And it's this coming of age story set like there's the two main characters are two 25-year-old best friends um, and like they've finished uni um, and explores like the very complex relationship and friendship between between the two which um is hits a fork in a road I guess when they meet an older professor who's 20 years their senior and I bloody love this book oh my god yes definitely for people fans of like Diana Reed as well um it's yeah. it's it's sexy it's compelling it's quite morally ambiguous it's kind of like oh I bloody love this type of like contemporary Australian fiction so like recommend this highly to people Amazing. Yeah, I saw you, as I said, on Saturday and you'd read half of it and then that night you posted like, devoured this. So you read like half the book in a day. I was like, whoa. 
crazy. So yeah, I'm keen to get in line because I know that someone else is borrowing it. Yeah, yeah. But I will eventually read it. Amazing. All right. That's all we have time for today. But thanks for listening, everyone. That was really fun. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We will chat to you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Bye.